everybody and a very warm welcome back to the latest episode of the Vinyl Community Podcast. In this podcast, you'll hear an interview between Michael Boogaloo-Shrimp Chambers and myself, Nadine from Soul Disco. Yes, the Boogaloo-Shrimp who was turbo in breaking. Hello, everybody, and a very warm welcome back to the latest interview we are having and what we are special guests we are having, the great Michael Chambers, who is also known as the Boogaloo Shrimp, 80s icon, dance icon, street icon, and I feel so honored to have him as an interview partner. Thank you so much, Michael, for taking the time. Thank you. Danke. Very good. Michael, may you introduce yourself to the ones who might not know you? I think a lot of people, if they don't see me, you know, now, because, I mean, I look different than the 80s. You might remember the movie Electric Boogaloo, Breaking, 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 see that? And I play Turbo, this one, and uh, this, uh, 1985, 84, uh, when the movie, the movie in United Kingdom was called Break Dance, and... Uh, Menachem Golan, Yoram Globus from Israel, they decided to make a, not a hip hop movie, a dance musical because it was distributed by MGM, which highlighted different styles, almost like Enter the Dragon or martial arts movie. You have karate, taekwondo and all. They knew back then they were gonna showcase all the styles, locking, popping, the robot, all these things. So I'm Michael Boogaloo Shrimp Chambers, who's known for all styles of freestyle street dance. So in 1983, there was a documentary done about break dance and the young kids. And I think you were how old, 13 when that was shot? I love it that you know that. I was 14 years old and already a master of liquid animation. A lot of people know when it comes to popping, body popping, what's it like, body popping? They know the robot, they know breakdance, but they don't really know my style that I created called liquid animation. The liquid was the smooth, when, when you see people go really smooth and then the animation was when I, I would turn into a robot and make myself look more like special effects. So in the movies, the studio said, wow, we have a little bit of New York style breakdance, you know, the boogie down Bronx, said, hey, New York, yo, 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 hey. And then we have the popping in the robot. So uh, we were like the all styles movie. That's what made us different than the, the New York movie, Beat Street. Beat Street was pretty much all the best breakdancing at the time in the world. That was on the uh, that was almost close to the Olympic level. But the studios, when they hired us, they said, "Wow, we got some guys from California who could break dance, robot, and do animation like Clash of the Times." Matter of fact, I used to study robots in the toy store, like this guy. I would I would look at robots and how they move, and then pretty soon I would just practice. Like the lady from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, turning around. <laughs> I would, I would pretend that I was mechanical. Spider Man, everything, everything that was science fiction or cartoon or Marvel, you know, uh, I got into that world, but had no idea when the music came on that whether it was art or noise or or craft work, trans, Ural Express, whatever music I was moving to, I became this machine and they caught it on the film breaking and breaking too <laughs> so what i thought was really great they shot this documentary and you see all these young kids and they could dance it was unbelievable i i haven't seen that before and i think many other people haven't so this documentary was done and how did the uh, producers came and said, well, we need to make a movie out of this and we need these guys. This is, wasn't common to take well, ordinary well, guys. Let's go back to the beginning of the documentary. We were mm -hmm. kids from all over. Picture this in your mind, Los Angeles, 1982-81. Kids that did not want to join gangs they had all this free time. What are we going to do? How are we going to make friends? 
There was no social network or no TikTok. So we would get out of our house and go to places where, where, where youth and the kids would meet. And uh, where there was no fighting and no drugs. And sure enough, if you had a boom box, like you see, this is from a book, uh, Chris Dudley. This is a, my the first book I was mentioned in. If you see this little kid, he's in a room. Mm -hmm. And while everything around him, the shooting, the, the, the police, he has a boom box. He has a poster breaking. See this poster? If you look, mm -hmm. that's the breaking poster. He's trying to learn how to be a choreographer or be the best dancer. So he's in his room. He made his room into a rehearsal hall. This is important because we were all to get safe off the streets and not get in trouble. We made use of our room, practice, practice, practice. And if we if we were good when we were out in the streets, that's our stage. That's our Broadway. So we we performing in front of tourists. You're performing. If you go on Hollywood Boulevard, people are going to see the stars or whatever and put some music on now the, the international tours. Hey, what is this? So you have an international show right there. If you're good, they pay you some money, say, hey, and you get a clap. And so that documentary highlighted all the kids in LA that were doing that, challenging each other, battling, peaceful combat with dance moves. You know, battling means somebody's another dancer and you're another dancer from another town. It, to see who's better, I do one move and you do a move. And if your move's better than me, you win. You win according to the popularity of the clap of the streets. So we that documentary was the best of the best. Not martial arts, the best of the best of all LA and surrounding counties. So at 14 years old, like Bruce Lee, <laughs> Bruce Lee was like 12 years old. He was a master already. 14 years old, my skills were at the level of a master already to where the studio said, wait a minute, we have all these other people that this guy, Boogaloo Shrimp, he has different style. And I had a different style and it, it shows in that documentary. I'm so glad that you brought it up because that documentary was was ran on a local news television show in Los Angeles. Once it went off the air, Somehow or another, somebody got the archive footage or the reel, and somebody in Europe put it, distributed it in Europe as an actual movie. I found that out from a, a musician, um, Egyptian Lover. Egyptian Lover is an underground 808 dance music producer and hip hop. He told me when he traveled in Europe with Africa Bambada and the Zulu Nation, he goes, Hey, I went to a theater in, in uh, the United Kingdom and we seen your movie. I'm like, What movie? He goes, the documentary, I was like, there is a God because usually when you're trying to build an art, somebody has to be pioneers of the art, like music. Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, Cream, they helped build rock and roll. Chuck Berry and the list goes on. So with dance, we got Soul Train, you had me, you had all these people in New York building hip hop dance. So for that documentary to be in Europe, now these kids that are on TikTok, a world of dance, Justin, they view all this really cool stuff. They can actually go back and see the archive footage of the pioneers of robot street dance. And I'm in there at 14. <laughs> That's a very important documentary. This was like LA's yeah. version of Wild Style, like the beginning of hip hop dance. And it was so well done and it's so authentic. And um, the, fortunately, this documentary is available on YouTube. And for everybody who's interested, I put the link down in the description. So that was great. So how did it happen? I that want to add one, one, one important sure. thing to what you said about the quality. There was the TV show, Martin Lawrence. Martin, a comedy guy. Hey, Gina, Martin. Yeah. And it ran for several years here. The director, Topper Carew of that television show, when he first started his career, he directed that documentary. He directed, as a matter of fact, he directed that documentary. And it's interesting that you said it's so well done because he went out to all these cities in Los Angeles, South Central, San Gabriel, Whittier, Pico Rivera, uh, everywhere he could find dancers. And he brought the best of the best all together. And he interviewed us all. And he, he could tell back then, who was the master and who was such a dancer? When you see this documentary, the only people who were qualified to teach were the ones who were interviewed. 
I was interviewed at 14 many times, and that's the first time people will see the original Radiotron. Radiotron was the club in LA that was under 21, no drinking. It was our safe zone. It was like a hip hop YMCA. The guy in Radiotron said, look, come to Los Angeles, no guns, no knives, no drugs. Come with peace and get ready to go and work out. And there's a rumor I don't know how true it is. There's a rumor that when Madonna, the singer, you know, express yourself, Madonna Tricconi. And Lord, Madonna was dating the DJ, Jellybean Benitez, and looking for music for a dance club. So when she she would show up at this club that's in that documentary radio drama off of 7th and Alvarado in L.A., and she'd be right there with the DJ listening so that she can go in and record. And right after... Right after that time of this filming of this um, documentary that you're mentioning, Madonna's song, everybody, come on, dance and sing. You can hear it had club music. I mean, Holiday wasn't really a club. It was kind of new wave. But everybody was really a disco kind of trans kind of uh, electronic music. You know, everybody was really underground, you know. Wow. It's a good documentary. It has a lot of history. Yeah, it's it's great. So how did the producers came up and say, hey, we need to make a movie out of this and we need the guys out of that documentary and we are not hiring actors. We need these guys. How did that happen? Okay, so here we go. It wasn't a golden, it wasn't like Willy Wonka, the movie. I got a golden ticket. We didn't have all this big shot managers and all this. This is what happened. Picture the scene in L.A., MTV. MTV started, and MTV was trying a new formula to put music television, to put visuals behind the artists on the album. So what they did, MTV sent out people wherever they could find, and you would sign an agreement. Hey, Taft Harley, they, may, they might pay you, they might not, but you could get in a music video. So everybody was like really being discovered right Back, it was ground zero. MTV went out on on uh, to find people. I'm in Shaka Khan's video. I feel for you. Lionel Richie's all night long. The Gap Band's video. Even Richard Marks video. Richard Marks on that. I got in there. So MTV. I love MTV. I want my MTV. Oh, I want my MTV. MTV had a had a very big part in helping promote my name. So the producers could know, okay, this guy, look at, he's on music videos. I was already, I was already doing music videos and and uh, a, f a couple of commercials before the movie. So my name was out there. And MTV, if you knew anything about MTV, it was 24-7. So if a video was in high rotation, people could keep seeing your video. So now they keep seeing, you got famous on MTV. So uh, I have to give MTV credit first because I, I, I did some... I did some early music videos, and so people knew, okay, there's some break dancers or poppers. Who are they? So I was in the, the music videos first. But back to the late Shabadoo. Shabadoo Quinones, who was a soul-trained dancer, who was with Tony Basil. Oh, Mickey, you're so fun. They had a group called The Lockers, and they were the first street dance performers that got a Screen Actors Guild card, joined the union after Actors Federation for Television and Radio Artists. So Tony Basil told me this. What they did was they went from the streets to the stage. So I came in the union. My union card at the time said I've been a member of the Screen Actors Guild since 1983. That kind of shows how I went from the streets to being a professional. My union card said member since 1983. So that being said, that number kind of shows why everything started happening that year. That year, I did this documentary you're talking about, worked with Michael Jackson, did the music video all night long with Lionel Richie and his tour. So all these things were happening and they were it wasn't the movies yet. But to have all that background on my resume already, the producers of the breaking movie They were like, look, we got a script. Menachem Golan, they have in his Israeli, they are from Israel, Shalom Toda, Mushlechaim. He goes, we are doing movie, Canon Films, Delta Force, the hope we do big. He goes, I want to do this movie with the dance is so cool. 
Yes, we have to find the stars of this movie. They're looking for these people to do this thing, right? And so they sent people out to the neighborhoods of L.A. I was actually at a competition with a very dangerous group. I say this very respectfully because just like martial arts, if you have a battle and your opponent's really good or Chuck Norris, that's a dangerous guy, right? So I'm dancing against a guy, look at my name, Boogaloo Shrimp. That's very small. So I'm dancing against a Samoan. He must have been about, well, for me, I look like Goliath. He must have been about 6'9", if not 5'9". He was huge and Samoan. And I'm dancing, challenging him. And I didn't realize if it had went sour, we would have really got beat down because there were gang members watching, watching how we act. And so I was dangerous but i didn't see that i was focused on my art and sure enough found out later the guy that i was challenging he has a rap group called the booyah tribe you can look them up they're pretty solid you'll see what i meant imagine me trying to get this close to them dancing these guys are like gladiators i mean huge big like wwf guy and i'm this little bitty shrimp guy looking up trying to to dance and show my style. And it could have been bad, but we were still friends. And what's really interesting about this story is as we were challenging each other, I had no idea that the talent scout for breaking was in the audience. There was a guy, it was a Jewish guy just standing there watching and he had a suit on and everybody's dressed like the warriors. Can you dig it? No, they're like the warriors. There's all these people and all these really, you know, it's serious gang area. So, there's one man with a suit on, and I'm like, who's this guy? Maybe he's an undercover police or whatever, but he was the, the, the talent scout, David Zito, for, for Canon. They told me we knew we had our star. He got on the phone. Back then, they had those little cell phones in your car. If you had a Mercedes, they had the cell phone in the car. He goes, I found Turbo. He told Menachem, we found Turbo. The studios rushed it. They said, bring him in. We want to see how he talks. So he said he... He, he found me, the studio found me as I was battling this guy from the Booyah tribe, Donald DeVoe. And uh, I had no idea all this was going on. But when he said that he found Turbo, they got very excited because Shabadoo was originally not the lead. They wanted him to choreograph because he had already put together routines with Tony Basil, his group, The Lockers. So they were trying to make a movie, but they needed choreography. So Shabadoo, they, he knew how to put the steps together because he was already kind of Broadway, like theater. So when they brought him in and they brought me in, they were like, wait a minute, how do these two know each other? Because we were already on a nine month world tour with Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie had us in the all night long video, but also Lionel Richie doesn't dance. So Lionel Richie's manager, Ken Cragen, he said, Lionel, break dancing is the biggest thing on the planet right now, it's underground. Take these guys on tour and when you have all night long, let them dance. So when Lionel Richie went from, if you look at Lionel Richie's playlist, say you, say me, say it always. Oh, that's the way it should be. Everything's ballad and slow. But when all night long, all night long, all night, that's it. It's more energy, right? So Lionel Richie wasn't a dancer, but his manager said, look, when you take these guys on tour, let them go and do their thing. So we killed it. Every night that all night long came on, everybody that was, oh, I'm so in love. All those romantic songs. My endless love. Oh, I need a hug. Oh. The thing is, <laughs> the excitement was, oh, not now. Here we are. We're, it's electric. Boogie, boogie, boogie. We brought the house down. And it the papers internationally were like, wow, Lana Richie's show is amazing. The best thing about that, is the producers of the movie breaking were like these guys have a chemistry usually when you have two actors they have to have chemistry and then you can film so if you look at breaking shabadu is a he's so cool i'm too sexy for my god to say he was a, he's a model you know what i'm gonna do my dance you know the girls are like he's so cute i like him no the girls are like he's so beautiful i like him and the other one he's too funny <laughs> i like him too he's making me laugh <laughs> so this is like a 
a black a, a, a black African-American version of Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin. Jerry Lewis, Jerry Lewis was like the nutty professor, sweetly. And Dean Martin was like a whole lot very, the ladies are, I like Dean Martin. He's so cool. I like him. So the studio said, wow, we got Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin. The little one is like, kind of like Donald Duck. And then, <laughs> The other one is the girls that I like him. So it worked. <laughs> so you, you mentioned shortly Michael Jackson. So from what I've read about you is that you taught Michael Jackson dance steps, uh, especially what's a little controversy is about the moonwalk. Who was the founder? Was well, it you? Let me let me clear this up again for the record. Thanks. Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson never gave an interview back then. If anybody goes back after Motown 25, which remember I said I was on tour nine months. Nine months is a long time with a Motown artist. Lionel Richie was with Motown with the Commodores. The Commodores, thanks. for. I mean, that's Motown, okay? So here's the scenario. I'm on tour with Lionel Richie for nine months, a Motown artist. Also, Lionel Richie wrote, we are the world, we are the children. Him and Michael wrote, we are the world. Here we go. So 1983, once again, is a big deal, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, if stuff wasn't written down or archived, then people are like, hmm, I don't know, because there was nothing on paper. I can't find this book. Who are they? A lot of stuff got lost in translation. Because in real time, all this stuff was happening, but there was nobody to transcribe it. So here we go. Even after Motown 25, the paper said, oh, this is sensational. When Michael did Billy Jean, when he did Billy Jean, the whole world, oh, did you see his dance? Did he, did, Pippin, did you see what he did in London? Did you see what he was doing? He went backwards while everybody's going forward. It's a travesty. Sister Homestead, what's it like? So the thing is, when the papers ran with it, somebody said, wow, he looks like he's walking on the moon. He's moonwalking. So the thing is the, that once you put something in media, you know how it is, paparazzi, ooh, paparazzi, Lady Gaga goes, paparazzi, Stephanie Germanana, paparazzi, damn all, she loves you. They ran with it. We got a moonwalk. Michael Jackson, moonwalk, everywhere, moonwalk, moonwalk. It's just a moonwalk. Ages of moonwalk. They didn't really care about it. It's someone while he was doing his Jackson's biggest thing in life. You know, and everything was about sales and that word, not the facts. And Michael did not have time to write or do interviews. He didn't even give interviews. He, Thank you very much. I love you. Boom, gone. Everybody else did the talking. So while all that excitement was going on, one person said, I'm grabbing the credit because it's free enterprise. It's just like if you put something on social media, if you don't trademark it, ah, somebody steals it. Now it's on a commercial. Jeffrey Daniels from Shalomar. Make that move. Bye now, baby. All the love in you. Shalomar was a Soul Train group on Solar Records. The Soul Train. After they broke up, Howard Hewitt and Jody Watley went their way. Jeffrey Daniels was like, hmm, he was looking to reinvent himself. And he had a song called The Pop Along Kid on Shalimar's album. It went under underground, but he was highlighting popping and what he did. He was the dancer of Shalimar. But once they broke up, people were like, okay, now what? He didn't wait. Once that Motown 25 thing happened, even though he was associated with the music business because he was already a singer and in that loop of just the elite singers no singers the thing is nobody policed that nobody questioned it or even litigated they said okay it must be true <laughs> so now when jeffrey daniels went to europe top of the pops on the bbb bbc and top of the pops a hippodrome he's in london he's in london he called his style body popping and he went over there to europe and everybody believed that he was the guy that created actually the dance popping and oh, he's Michael Jackson's teacher, look at him. They believed it for a long time until we did our movie in 1984. And then we had a follow-up in 85. When I got to London, top of the pulps, first thing they asked, we have this, we have this, this persistent 
Question. Who created Popping? Did you teach Michael? They weren't calling him Jocko. Did you did you teach Mr. Jackson? And if you did, what did you teach him? What did you do? And it's interesting because I never once said the moonwalk. I said a moonwalking combination, which was floating. If you look at the movie Breaking, even in my documentary, I always did a circular float and I mastered a combination, which was unheard of because you either have one step, just like bar arts, you have one kick or one round. That's what you're known for. I had a combination so I can go. I went backwards and then in a circle motion. So I was kind of orbiting like NASA. I was orbiting and Michael took it. He was like, that's it. That's it. That's it. That wasn't even a Motown 25. But once again, even though we practiced together, there were no agents. There were no just Joe Jackson and his family. And it's interesting because while Michael Jackson was alive, he always thanked me. Even my autograph picture that he gave me, he said, thank you. You're a kind person. Because I never once asked for a million dollars or all this money. I was not trying to reign in his spotlight. I understood he was a pop star and I was honored out of all these people who tried to break that. He asked me to work with him and teach him. I mean, come on. That's like it. That's like that scene in Forrest Gump when Elvis Presley tells Forrest, hey, how do you do that? I mean, come on now. Michael Jackson, before he became the king of pop, here he is going, um, could you uh, do that again? Uh, how do you do it? Uh, can I just see it? Uh, thank you. <laughs> when I see what he did with it, I was like, wow. <laughs> I felt like Geppetto and Pinocchio. Geppetto's this is old man, but Pinocchio got all the glory, right? <laughs> Michael was bigger than life and everybody knew him for dance. And so I really feel that I, I had an honest position that only me, God, and real artists knew, but I didn't have to cash in like a slot machine on my student. The thing is, this man, if you really look at what I'm saying, in 1983, he wasn't dancing like he was in 1991. So that's a lot of years to learn and master your craft. So everybody's like, wow, Moonwalk. He was all, what's next? So we had a few sessions and it, it shows in his dance because people were like, wow, by the time Bad came out, they're like, where's this coming from? And how did he get this? Snap. Michael was learning how to pop, which was the snap, without looking like Jeffrey Daniels, myself, or anybody else. So he had an internal, he, Michael had an interesting way of taking the popping, and if he did like a Bob Bossy or Fred Astaire kind of thing, he could snap. He was snapping, he was actually popping using jazz dance moves. If you really think about it, people know the little, the, the popper or breakdown. Oh, that's popping or breakdance, right? Michael's like, okay, I jazz dance, but I'm going to make jazz popping. <laughs> it's very true. If you look at him, he's like, shh, shh, uh -uh. he's popping to jazz. <laughs> he created a dance with techniques and it was always him. So I, I really, I really honor that because nobody could look back and say, man, this guy turbo, he's always taken away from Michael. I never was guilty of that. Even when he passed away, the thing is, that's when a lot of people started saying, okay, you know what? The fans are mourning Michael Jackson. We need the truth from truths that we never heard. And there's documentaries and there's stuff and there's pictures, the same old people. But my story has never really been out until my documentary, which the documentary we're talking about is on the Boogaloo Shrimp documentary. It's on um, Amazon Prime. I don't know if you get it in Europe. Can you see that? Uh, well, you, you have the hashtag, but... Yeah, that documentary was very important for the time. Because if you look at the date... Hold on a second. There's small writing. Let me see. If you look at the date when it came out, when they actually... Look at this date. 2019. That's a very important day when it was actually packaged. So for them to package it in 2019, that means we were researching it and doing it while Mr. Jackson was alive. That's very important. That's very important because all these things were coming out and being in preparation. So after he passed away, the thing is, that documentary highlights a lot of truths, you know? And 
it wasn't to cash in on Mr. Jackson's fame. The most important thing about that documentary is breakdancing finally next year is going to be in the Olympics. Breakdancing is an official sport in Paris, France. And what makes it significant about Paris, bonjour, people forget Marcel Marcio, the French mime, the white gloves, the beret that Turbo's wearing the beret. I've always had a connection. I'm Afro-Creole French America. I'm mixed with French. So the thing is, the French mime and those colors, black and white in the gloves, if everybody sees the back footage, even from the 70s of poppers, what do we wear? White gloves. So even though breakdancing is featured in Paris, it still shows respect to the mime dance of Marcel Marceau, who started popping. So I, I love it because all these truths are connected, you know? Michael Jackson, the Olympics, Marcel Marcio, our film, the documentary. The dance is the most important. So you made Breaking and Breaking was tremendously successful. So, and then was uh, mm -hmm. part two of Breaking, um, so, which was yes. also successful. Why was there no, no, no sequel to part two? Why no, no part three? Okay, part here four? we go. Here, now, this is interesting because look at this picture. This is the poster. And look at that's the sneaker. It's powered by UBS. It's electric sneaker. We were already yeah. thinking, look at electric boogaloo. It's electric. Now we have Tesla, electric cars. We live in a solar electric world. We were way ahead of its time. And they were on to something big. You talk about branding. Can you imagine if we had a sponsor if we had half of uh, a percentage of an elect the first electric shoe <laughs> that would have been big right but what happened was ego ego after the films got their box office numbers and their popularity now people were going in to try to, to, to try to renegotiate contracts and get more money well i heard through the grapevine so I was only 16, 17 when I was doing those films. So, of course, I didn't know about a lot of the legal stuff. But one day we didn't have jobs. And I heard a lot of talk of Breaking 3. And uh, I heard there were arguments. And I'm not going to name any names out of respect to the families. But there were a lot of arguing and a lot of back and forth and pushing weight with a film company. And sure enough, we were out the door. And next thing I know, there was a movie made called Rapping. I remember Menachem Golan said, look, if you don't do what we say, we're going to make a movie without you. And right after that conversation, it kind of films on Sunset. When they came out with rapping, that was supposed to be Breaking 3. That movie somewhere, rapping with with um, uh, Mario Van Peoples and some other people that look like Turbo. It didn't it didn't work because the fans already knew Turbo, Kelly and Ozone, mm -hmm. Lucinda Dickey. So it, it didn't work. But. What was interesting that happened, I think all the people in Hollywood that realized that this was a cash cow, there was money and merchandising and a whole bunch of stuff, people started jumping on the bandwagon of knockoff versions of the film. So you have Body Rock, you have Fast Forward. There was a lot of breakdance movies that were on the blockbuster video shelf. Remember they have VHS breakdance this? <laughs> the most hilarious thing, is they were in a negotiation to try to get us to do the first instructional dance video. Like, people wanted to know, well, how do you dance like this? I think it's cool. And somehow or another, that negotiation didn't work. But guess what? There's a video of the actor, uh, 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 um, Alfonso Ribeiro, the tap dance kid. He's in the Pepsi commercial with Michael Jackson, right? He does America's Funniest Videos, but... This is hilarious. They couldn't get us, and it didn't work with us. <laughs> but there's a instructional video. Hi, I'm I'm Alfonso Rivero. He's teaching breakdance. He's a breakdance expert. Matter of fact, Vin Diesel has an instructional from Fast and Furious. Vin Diesel's teaching breakdance. So there was a there was a lot of people who jumped on the bandwagon since the real teachers we didn't get that um that opportunity to make other films and to make instructional videos. And you know what? I'm glad that we're bringing up this topic 
because for the new generation, this new legal savvy generation, there's a lot of brilliant ideas, a brilliant people behind the internet. You know, a lot of the young artists, whether artists or fashionistas or whatever, when they trademark or if they find ways to copyright or protect their their properties, and so they get paid, or if they pass away, their their estate goes to their family. This is important because if you see all these images and all these all these things, like you're saying, there was going to be a movie made of this that. And the legal things weren't taken care of by the adults who were supposed to. This is good information for minors, people maybe that don't have a college education or are underage to get the right people behind you to take care of certain things. So, that, you know, they have a little nest egg when they retire. But, yeah, that's exactly what happened uh, with Breaking 3. Now, bringing it up to speed, there's been talks about a Breaking 3 just before Shabadoo passed away. Uh, we lost two members, two cast members from the movie for the people who don't know. The lead, Adolfo Quinones, this guy, Shabadu Ozone, um, him, he passed away. But he got a street sign in Chicago where he's from. So they, instead of a star on Hollywood Boulevard, they got him a street sign in Chicago, his son, and some people who respect his legacy. He got a street sign. But the thing is, there's been a lot of talk about this breaking three and it's really hasn't really been so much a film because now we have Paramount plus and Hulu and Netflix. It could be a series or whatever. So I'm going to see what God and good people didn't do. Cause it would be, it would be like the karate kid Cobra Kai to the fans that have followed our journey and to the fans that know the, the story, uh, Lucinda, Lucinda, this one, uh, the middle one, She's still around, and her and I are have always been mutual, respectful uh, uh, brother and sister in the arts. But the thing is, I've talked to other cast members that are still living. And, you know, I think it would be beautiful if somehow or another people can get together and make a TV series so that all these interviews will be explained in the series, you know. I mean, a, a series would make sense as opposed to a film because now we can go into parts and start telling people the backdrop of where did Kelly, where did, where did Boogaloo Shrimp come from? How did they meet? Who were they around? What was happening in LA, you know? And so hopefully those things will come out, but yeah, that's what happened at the time, you know? Yeah. Uh, that, that movie rapping was made, but it was not, it was nothing compared to the, the authenticity of hip hop. So what did you do after breaking two? There's a gap. So the, the next thing we hear from is from 1980, nine where you worked with michael jackson on a simpsons episode so what what, what happened it's in, interesting in that you said that because in 1989 uh, in 1989 before i worked with him on the simpsons i was working with paula abdul paula abdul and i had the same agent julie mcdonald and uh paula abdul she heard that straight up now tell me if you really want to love me forever oh 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 once again back to Michael Jackson's circle because Paula Abdul was Michael Jack, the Jackson's choreographer. She choreographed the Jackson's and was dating one of the Jackson brothers. So we're still in that circle. It still goes like a Rubik's cube, Michael this, Michael that. So once again, she reaches out to me and wants me to be in her music video. Her music video was, we come together cause I was such a track and you know, the behind the scenes footage Thank God for Candace and Candace uh, Reckinger and old pictures. The director, Mike and Candace Reckinger, who did AHA's video, Take On Me, they decided to upload the behind the scenes footage because when the video came out and won all these awards, people didn't know MC Scat Cat was me. I mean, they literally hired me to be MC Scat Cat. They made my, my facial expressions. I mean, I was behind a green screen. And the animators had to take my gestures and the way I look. Everything about me is in that cat. Even the dance and the choreography, I mean, was me and Paula. But when it came out, it just looked like an animated cartoon. Like, you know, freaking, um, what, what is it? Uh, either Hanna-Barbera or, um, you know, the, 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 anima the, the, the animators who do, like Hanna-Barbera, uh, Marvel, um, Spider-Man, all those things. Basically, animators 
it's kind of like if you don't read the credit, it's just a character, but the people behind the characters are real. So I got lost in translation again because they never saw my face. They saw the MC Scat Cat, but they never saw my face. So I'm very thankful that Mike and Candace Recature from Old Pictures, they the director uploaded the behind the scenes footage on YouTube because now people saw me actually, there's footage of me and Paula dancing, choreographing my part and our sections for the video. What's interesting is, I guess that got back to the MJJ Productions because I mean, Michael had a whole team of people. So I got a call right after opposite track from Norma Steichel, who was Michael Jackson's assistant. She goes, Mr. Chambers, Mr. Jackson wants to speak with you. Are you available now? <laughs> I go, sure. So back then, Michael would have his secretary call and be on the three-way. <laughs> so she goes, here's Michael. So I'm on the phone and you hear, hello, uh, hi, how are you? Uh, okay. I'm like, hey, um, are you available to work? Sure. He's like, but we're we're gonna go to a different destination because I'm kind of popular in LA and I want to be secret. It's a place called Never Neverland Valley, but you can't tell anybody where it's. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So he goes, my secretary will send you the info, um, and just let me know when you arrive, and then we'll start working on this project. I'll discuss it when we get there. I didn't ask. <laughs> He doesn't say stuff over the phone because back then people had those little recording machines. He's, I'll tell you when you get there. Okay. So we get to Neverland Valley and it's, there's all these nobles. We have a greeting. I'm at Neverland Valley. I'm like, wow. You know, I'm like, hey, he had three monkeys. I'm like, hey, it's a monkey. So I'm like, hey, that is a Curious George. No, he literally had monkeys running around. I was like, wow, this is cool. So he goes, okay, we got to get to work. <laughs> so we go in the studio. He goes, this is for The Simpsons. I'm working on a very important album, Dangerous, and I want to keep this under the radar. I'm going to give you choreography credit, and uh, that's about it. I want to see what you'll do, like you work with Paula Abdul for Bart Simpson. I'm like, okay. So he's like, show me, wait. He puts the camera on. Michael filmed everything. So I'm hoping somewhere somebody will release the footage. Can you imagine? Michael filmed the first session when I worked with him before the victory tour and he did Billie Jean live with introducing that circular float with the moonwalk combo. And then years later we did the Bart Simpson, which he filmed. That was more of an intense lesson because now we had to come up with a lot of steps that the animators could do. I mean, Matt growing and uh, Gracie films who does the Simpsons. Wow. Lisa Homer. The thing is, they're very meticulous with lines and animation stills. So obviously when Mr. Jackson and I were working out the choreography, we had to make sure whatever was tight to give to the animators so that the Bart Simpson video would look just like the Simpsons episodes. So him and I were going at it. <laughs> he was making sure he wrote the song, by the way. I don't know if anybody knows this. But Do the Bartman was written by Michael Jackson. Everybody, if you can, do the Bartman. If you listen, it goes, eat your heart out, Michael. I mean, you could be the Bart. You're bad like Michael Jackson. I'm like, you had to put that in there. But uh, he allowed me, after all these years, after all being snubbed to credit, who taught him? Who did this? He was like, I'm finally going to give you credit. I'll tell you what, it's right there on the Simpsons Sing the Blues, Michael Chambers choreography. And it's interesting that he did that after all these years. Because earlier in this, you were like, oh, well, there was a mystery. Jeffrey Daniels, who taught Michael? Why would he give me a choreography credit after all these years if I was, if I was not doing my job back then? Choreographers are behind the scenes teaching. So you connect the dots. By him giving me that credit shows years of what I was always doing behind the scenes. Choreography is personal instruction and in instruction with many people, like a chorus line. But me and Michael first started one-on-one -on -one sessions. So if he wanted to learn something, a choreographer would teach him. <laughs> so I was very delighted that I was alive and healthy enough to receive that because people only want to hear what they want to hear. But the truth is really right in front of their face. I got the credit for the Bart Simpson, which means me and Michael behind the scenes had to work the steps out. I'm so glad 
that Michael put me down as the choreographer for that because for his fans and the the fans of dance, got to remember, we had MC Hammer, uh, Kid and Play, all the great dancers, all the Paula Abdul, Janet Jackson, all these people who helped build dance to where it is now. I mean, Fierce Jazz Dance, Tina Landon. Uh, I mean, dance has come a long way. When Mr. Jackson danced, he showed everybody you could use tap, you could use jazz, and you could use street dance and still look cool and dress nice. <laughs> He was almost like a, a uh, I used to call him a black Liberace because he was always shining. He presented street dance more shiny, you know. And so I'm glad that we're bringing up this to this new generation, especially internationally, because there's some brilliant artists. There's some brilliant artists that are still there in Europe and people who have practiced and danced all their life. Now with the Olympics coming, hopefully, hopefully, Breakdancing will be showcased, but I'm looking at hopefully the robotic international challenge. There's a dancer right now. I don't know his name because I don't know how to read uh, Russian. There's a Russian dancer who's a robot, master of robot. I would love to see all the robots, the best robot in China, Korea, Japan, uh, Germany, Deutschland. Everybody challenge each other like an international robot all levels even the kids you know little but little baby bots because <laughs> that that would be that would be something that would be partnering with breakdance just like the old days you know you have popping breakdance you know and so yeah yeah this is a um this is the best part history with mr jackson i never really liked all the controversy and all the you know the stuff in the papers or we can read that bad all the time but what's good is that we have this conversation about dance and art and back to Germany. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people don't realize I had a special connection with Germany in 1984. 84, I danced to Tour de France by Kraftwerk, German artist. But before the movie, the Deutschland guy comes out with Trans, Euro, Express. Kraftwerk had wonderful electronic music before EDM and mashup or Odessa. Let me down easy. Let me down easy. Oh, your love for me is strong. Oh. Odessa's amazing. But uh, the thing is, and then the Depeche Mode, David Gahan, on the policy of true. All this EDM electro, Kraftwerk was the leader in the whole world. Their music from Deutschland, they made everybody look at the electronic Roland, the Moog, all this electronic. They made everybody in music go, wow, you know what? I can do this, then I could do that. Even hip hop, you hear certain people with music inspired by Kraftwerk. And so I, I love this group because they helped us build the dance, you know, and they're still, you know, touring and doing some. I heard through the grapevine, Kraftwerk showed a video of my broom dance in one of their concerts and I love it because I really feel that uh, I don't know if people told them but I'm going to say as an artist I appreciate what they've done to help build dance because to do the robot you have to have the right music Kraftwerk's music the best in the world the best in the world for robot <laughs> wow yeah I, I need to get my Kraftwerk records out there after our interview Hey, get the um, old one, get the old one, get the old one. Trans, <laughs> Euro, Express, oh. and then numbers. Uno, due, tres, cuatro. Oh, you'll be dancing. <laughs> they make everybody <laughs> dance. <laughs> so, Michael, what are you up to today? What are you, do you have some recent projects? What are you doing? Yes, I'm glad that you did that. I just had a book signing at Barnes and Nobles. This, uh, if everybody knows what I'm known for, the broom, we have a book by Hudson Publishing. I'll give you the thing. Good thing about my book, I just got back from uh, the the Grove in um, in uh, uh, Los Angeles. It's just uh, lower part of Hollywood. And what's interesting of about this book, I took my broom. This highlights the, the Olympics. See it? Mm -hmm. It has Olympics and a little tribute to Marcel, Marcio, Shabadoo, and Bruno. 
in this book, I'm I'm on book signing uh, tour. My whole thing was the broom. This expression says it all. This kid was all of us, meaning all those kids who break dance and pop, looking for some way in this world. What am I gonna do? How am I gonna do it? To use the resources around, put the music on, get up and stretch and move. Don't be a mad, make yourself happy, positive energy. Let's go. You know, get a broom and clean up your issues. This clean sweep, I had to use this time of uh, the COVID and everything to reinvent myself. And I was thinking, wow, a broom, what do I do? I clean. What do parents have? They have a. So I was like, huh, some people. They're like, I have some drug, I have this, or I'm drinking, I smoke. They're like, oh, but you know what's killing me? I need to move. Well, the broom is clean it up. Get it over with and, and go forward. Let's go. Put it in the trash, your problems, and let's go. So this book was a children. It's a children's book highlighting how this kid, who's me, Boone Shrimp, used his broom and his boombox to make each day happy. Maybe he doesn't have a million dollars. Maybe he doesn't drive the best car in the Autobahn Mercedes or the Deutschland car. He always goes, yeah. You know, it's very true. BMW and Mercedes, the best. So he doesn't have the Deutschland car, but he has love in his heart and he wants to go. <laughs> he wants to go, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he finds ways to make himself look good so he can go. So it's a very positive book. So I've been on a, I've been, I just got back from a book signing and I'm pushing this. I'm also doing, um, hold on just a second. I got a certificate recently. See this? Uh, see mm -hmm. that? They're starting to do contest where people are being judged for all styles, popping, robot, and break. So I got a certificate from one event where I judged as a fair judge, you know, a popping contest. So, you know what? I'm a grandfather. I'm a family man. I'm just trying to pay my bills while we're having all this stuff in the world with God's help. And, you know, I, I think as an educator, I got my endorsement from a USC. Hold on. USC has invited me to speak on their campus more than five times. That's a big deal. That's a very prestigious college. I didn't speak on hip hop. I spoke at the Thornton Music School because the professors realized, wait a minute, this guy's like a walking Rolling Stone. He can tell everything with the fashion, what was happening back then and the dance steps. So I spoke on a more bigger historic level for the students to turn in their papers. And so back to more of the explanation of what I'm doing now, I'm trying to, this is what I want to be booked on and this is how I'm trying to look for work like most people who are family people I'm trying to be booked more on book tours so I can kind of you know get this out there to the newer generation and do some meet and greet and, and um, explain my, my my style and what's going on with dance and also to the harmony I mean I think a lot of people missed it breaking and, and breaking too this wasn't like the hip-hop movies we're in LA but we dance with people from Israel. I mean, I'm doing music. I'm dancing to music from Deutschland. Uh, we have Filipino, Korean people in the movie. So this is kind of like an international movie, you know? And I think for the young kids, it's important to break and highlight these things because maybe they have international around them, but they're not taking advantage of learning from each culture, you know? Maybe this German person that could show them Bavarian food or something, you know. Eat it! <laughs> if, if you look back, how do you want the movies or the legacy of breaking your whole career, how do you want to be remembered? I think, you know what? I would like to be remembered like Bill Robertson, Sammy Davis, uh, Gregory Hines, uh, Fred Astaire, Bob Posse, all the dancers in jazz and tap. They're not, they're all different, Nicholas Brothers, but they're known. I'll be okay with that because I'm a pioneer of dance, all style street dance. And it's it's a very interesting thing. But my number one student, <laughs> the guy that had this glove, <laughs> you know, for me, he's like the Bruce Lee of dance. 
<laughs> he's like the Bruce Lee of dance. And so I, I, I kind of like to be remembered as the guy who taught him, oh, I have to show you. <laughs> if they ever have a Madame Tussauds Wax Museum or something like that, <laughs> I would be remembered yeah. like somewhere in dance in the archives. If I was at Madame Tussauds and they said like the, the museum, well, well, who is this? He that sweeps a lot. Hear ye, hear ye. Who's this noble bloke? Ah, it is he that sweeps a lot. Yeah, look at his room. Look at it. Look at his room, mommy. Pippin. He that sweeps a lot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I could, I could be somewhere by in Buckingham. I mean, Madame Tussauds. It could be a small picture, but it's all there. Say, so, who is he? It is he that sweeps a lot. And they ring a bell. Ding, ding. This is why this air is clean. That is his broom. It's his broom. <laughs> okay. Great. So, Michael, final question. How did you get yeah. the name Boogaloo Shrimp? My dad, my dad told me that they actually told, they told him, this guy is so, this guy is so small. He's like Shrimpenstein. So, Instead of Frankenstein, I was Shrimpenstein. It sounded Jewish. On the Shrimpenstein, yeah. So the thing is, he called me Shrimpenstein. And I had a little monster walk because when I when he would come home from his job, he would tell my mom, and I'm the baby of my family, he'd tell my mom, he says, where's my Shrimpenstein? And I would come down the hall like Frankenstein doing my robot walk, right? And... Eventually, that was just a family name, you know, a little Shrimpenstein. And eventually, when the dance style, the Boogaloo, came out, everybody would be dancing, and I would follow my sister and my brother to, and I would be looking at their steps. Like, what are these people doing? And you remember, in the 70s, you had the robot, the bionic woman, Steve Austin, $6 million man, Star Wars. <laughs> George Lucas presents Star Wars. Chewie! Uh, you mean everything was science fiction. So in my mind, I'm learning from science fiction, Jason and the Argonauts, Ray Harryhausen, Claymation, I mean, stop motion. I'm getting all these images here. So when the dance came, I was really looking like the stop motion Claymation characters. And so when it came time to get my name, my sister was the one that gave me my name. Her friends were like, every time my sister showed up, every time my sister showed up, they're like, where's your little brother? And their best shenanigan was, oh, no, you didn't. Girl, where's your little brother? I love the way that he moves. I got to see what he's working with, okay? They sounded like Cardi B. So the thing is, my sister got popular because of me. She would bring me around to show me off, and then all the boys and everybody would be like, hey, Tracy's little brother, let him do his thing, right? So eventually, when my sister would bring me to somewhere, everybody would be like, Boogaloo, shrimp. Come on, shrimp, Boogaloo, Boogaloo. You see, they would chant that. They would chant that to get me out to do my dance. And the thing is, James Brown, he had a song called Do the Boogaloo. James Brown, bop, 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 Hitler. James Brown had the Boogaloo. He got the Boogaloo down in New Orleans. Boogaloo down Broadway, Ringo Starr. Back off, Boogaloo. Yeah. Even the Beagles had Boogaloo. Back off. So Boogaloo was an international word for a dance, like the Shindig and the Tam Show. People would say, I'm doing the Boogaloo. Celia Cruz, the Boogaloo. Boogaloo was a universal freestyle thing. I, You know, the Cubans, the Puerto Ricans, hey, Boogaloo. Hey, Boogaloo. So the thing is, my name was pretty appropriate. Even in the French Quarter, New Orleans, Ule, I mean, uh, you know, part of Francais, you know, I'm French African Creole from Louisiana, Baton Rouge, down by the bayou, kind of like Forrest Gump. So my name, Boogaloo Shrimp, was kind of Cajun as well. So Boogaloo has the Boogaloo Zydeco Jazz in New Orleans. So when people would say Boogaloo Shrimp, they were telling me, do my dance, but they were also the same, my nickname. So my sister said, you know what? Everybody's talking about my little brother. I'm going to get you a jacket. Now look, everybody talks about the movie, The Warriors, not for the violence, 
But if you look at it, these guys were like motorcycle guys with jackets. Even motorcycle clubs had jackets with their name on it. So I had a jacket that said Boogaloo Shrimp. So everywhere I went, people didn't have to talk to me. It's like, oh, here's Boogaloo Shrimp. My name got so popular. Like, who is this guy? I was like Zorro or the Long Ranger. Who is this masked man? Hey, it's Boogaloo Shrimp. I was like a walking advertisement. But it, it, it took on a historic meaning because I had Louisiana Zydeco uh, background, Cuban background. It, it was still united with the United Kingdom. You know, Ringo Starr, back off Boogaloo. It's right there. So I'm really thankful to God Almighty that everything that was planned back then is really, I mean, it it has a historic background. I didn't just name myself Mr. Shrimp Skier, Mr. Cool Breeze. I mean, my name is what it is, you know. And now I like now that England has a king, now that they have a king, I am he that sweeps a lot. <laughs> that's that's my hip. This is my British name. What is his name? He went from Boogaloo to he so sweeps a lot. I uh, hear ye, hear ye. My name is Sir Sweeps a lot. That's what I do. Keep it clean and move. <laughs> Great, Michael. <laughs> yeah. The Goinsland Sweeper, go and sweep. Hey, oi. Hey, oi. Yeah. Michael, thank you so much for taking the time doing this. I really appreciate it. You make my day. Of course, and I have to. Okay. Michael, thank you so much for taking the time, for giving us the insight, for sharing all those precious memories. And um, uh, I, I do hope, how, how can people get the book? If people uh, want they to can order, order it, it on, on Amazon? You can order it. You can order it. I could, you can order Hudson Publishing. See Hudson? Mm -hmm. Hudson Publishing. And I think you can order it on Amazon. I think if you go on Amazon or Hudson Publishing, you can order it, but the okay, Michael, is, excuse you. me, but of course, yeah. So, Michael, thank you so much for this interview. I enjoyed it tremendously. Like I said, you made danke, my day. Thank danke, you so much. Shane. Oh, danke, Shane. We do hope that you enjoyed our latest interview and stay tuned for other exciting episodes here on the Vinyl Community Podcast.